The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode here at the Kick Pie Podcast, the podcast dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I am your host, TJ Williams, fourth degree black belt of the Chuck Norris system, here to give you the insider of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts based subjects, and highlight individuals of all of them martial arts past, present, and future. And for those who are just joining me, this is my first time in this show. This is a pre-recorded episode. So whatever I talk about in this episode is either already passed or is coming up. So, of course, we're in the midway midway of May right now. So, of course, spring is slowly emerging and getting hotter out there. And, of course, we dealt with our two holidays, Star Wars um, Day and as well as Cinco de Mayo. And, of course, coming up and probably say tomorrow is Mother's Day. So for all you mothers out there, so happy Mother's Day. And even if your mother is a Jehovah's Witness like mine, still treat your mother to, I don't know, go out to dinner or go out to dinner, go out to lunch, whatever happens. I mean, you don't have to always give her a gift or just be there with her, have a common conversation. And uh, lastly, on a sad note, um, as you can see while I'm wearing a shirt, um, a young man known by by name of Dakota Whitlatch passed away a couple of days ago. And um, if you don't know Dakota, he suffers from hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which um, is a birth defect. And uh, I met Dakota back in 2017 at the um, UFAP ITC. You know, he seems like a wonderful young man. And of course he fought this, um, this condition for a long time. You know, his parents was by his side every time. And, you know, going in and out of the hospital, you know, just um, let's say he's pretty much was a fighter and he pretty much fought this um, condition all the way to um, still um, a couple of days ago. So but nevertheless, he's an example of people that are fighting this current um, this condition. And he's just letting people know that you continue fighting no matter how hard life knocks you down. You always get back up. So I just want to get that out there. Hey, so I, I know he's listening right now. He's probably watching this as I'm doing it, but definitely he's definitely going to be watching me on, on July 6th when I get my master rank. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Anyway, I got a guest with me um, today. So he's from Ann, Ar- Ar- Ann Arbor, um, Michigan. Of course, um, he is um, has over 50 years of martial arts experience. Uh, definitely he is one of the leading martial arts instructors in North America, holding black belts in multiple styles of martial arts. And he authors 10 books. And of course, he's uh, owns successful businesses in, uh, um, in diverse fields, martial arts, marketing, publishing, law. And also he is the co-host of the podcast, the Kick Punch Choke Chat, which I was on a few weeks ago. So if you haven't seen the episode, it is on YouTube. So tune in if you haven't seen it yet. So I like 
everybody to introduce, oh, I'd like to introduce everybody to uh, Nicholas Sweeno. So he decided to come on the show. Originally, he was supposed to be on the show with another guest, but due to uh, um, scheduling conflicts, um, he had to deal with that. But now he's back. So that's it made up for it. Uh, I'm back. Yeah. How are we doing, Nicholas? Doing great, man. It's so good to see you again, TJ. That was a great episode. I love learning all about uh, your uh, martial arts career and the lead up to what's going to be a really big event in your life this summer. Oh, definitely. Well, now it's your turn. Uh, So how's everything going with you? It's going good, man. I can't complain. Uh, You know, life's a gift and every day you got to wake up and embrace everything you can. Yeah. With a drink of water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I got, I got at least have a sip of water to get me um, woken up. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, but I everything I drink has caffeine in it these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try not to get too crazy with that caffeine, though. Just a little sip and then that's it. <laughs> All right, Nicholas, you're going to take us back in time because I know with every martial arts journey, there's always a beginning that um, pretty much builds you right up to martial arts. So basically, the first few, few questions is, well, how would you describe yourself before getting into martial arts? And what was that one event that got you into martial arts? Uh, well, let's see. So before martial arts, I was a, a, a little kid with a big mouth, um, uh, kind of a dreamer, right? Just walked around the world, just in my own head, uh, not super confident. Um, it probably got got roughed up a little bit. It, it was kind of interesting. My um, you know, we were upper middle class, white liberals. My father was a university professor, and my folks thought it'd be a great idea to move us into a really challenged neighborhood. And so I spent a lot of my days fighting on my way home from school and in school and on my way to school. Um, and so my folks just uh, finally said, this this poor kid's not going to make it to, to being a teenager unless we give him some way of defending himself. So they took me down to the local YMCA and had me watch a judo class. and man, I was hooked. First minute, unbelievable. I'm sitting there watching. I remember to this day, the little, little lobby area and then the dojo and they were doing a demo, like the start of the start of the season or the start of the fall, you know, judo program. And there were like three senseis and they came out and they talked a little bit and they threw the kids and they threw each other and they demonstrated this stuff. And man, before it was done, I just, I just knew that was my thing, man. (laughs) Never looked back. Yeah, amazing. I mean, of course, I wish I had that experience going to the Y and actually learn my. Actually, I did go to the Y as a little kid, but only daycare. But you know, oh, yeah. and, well, I never had the experience to actually, um, actually take a martial arts class at the Y. Yeah. And of course, the Y that I was at, of course, it's, it turned to like a like a haven. I mean, it kind of breaks my heart to actually see it close because that mm. was like the Y that I grew up with, and definitely it was so close to home and. Everything it was close to everything, Main Street, uh, even Burger King. <laughs> so yeah, so if I knew if I was gonna get some need, I can simply go down the street and just, or even across the street, there was a KFC. So nice yeah. <laughs> health, health food, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to get too crazy with KFC, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays it's just um, I cook my own stuff. I don't worry about fast food unless I'm on the road, so I don't have no choice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh, well, can you give us like the first memory of your uh your first lesson? Like when you you started off in judo. So can you remember like your your first class? Uh probably not the first first class, but you know, the first year of judo. Um 
we had a great program. You know, they did a really good job with the kids. Probably had 30 kids in our judo program. Um, everybody from, you know, me, like little white belt guys, you know, all the colored belts that they had in those days. Um, and it was really uh, uh, tournament oriented. So we would train, 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 and we go to tournaments every three months or whatever. And we had a couple guys that were just killers. They were so good. One of the things they did in those days was they'd line everybody up from lowest to highest. And the lowest guy had to fight the next guy. And whoever won that one fight the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, I just got my ass beat like you always do uh, in judo. Um, but I would start making my way up that line a little bit more, a little bit more over the months. And the first um, the first judo tournament we went to was this huge uh, tournament. In, uh, in those days, the AAU was big, the Amateur Athletic Union. And so we'd go to these judo tournaments with three, 400 kids. And it was so cool. It was the day, the first time I realized the adrenaline that other people felt I had it too, but it didn't stop me. It didn't scare me. So I'll, a lot of the guys that could, that could, could beat me in the dojo, they would get starstruck on, you know, in a big, in a big event and they get, they get tunnel vision. And so uh, uh, that's something I noticed really early was that I could get in the, I could get in tournaments. And even though I was charged up, didn't stop me. And so I would be, I was beating a lot of the guys that could beat me in my own dojo. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about most, um, Christ uh, dojos or Christ schools that, you know, not only they're teaching you like the, the basics and the fundamentals of martial arts styles, but yet they could yet prepare you for, of course, competition. And in this case, you know, either like either schools have their own tournaments or yet they there's other tournaments out there that you can find and you can sign up. So, yeah, mostly that's what me uh, we usually have um, uh, in-house tournaments that we, they would call them. And in this case, you know, there was other tournaments like local tournaments or even like uh, national tournaments. I mean, that's like optional. You can actually go to actually those tournaments and compete in which um, those national tournaments, you know, if you're going against somebody that's been trained for an entire year, they're like experienced hunters. And yet, if you don't train like they do, then you're just a deer. So mm-hmm. you're there ready to be hunted. So, yeah, yep. I mean, it was just that that experience. You know, I wasn't looking to <laughs> beat a hunter. But in this case, I was just being a deer. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how we start. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's just actually getting these kids to almost like not compete, but just showing the fun- fundamentals of what uh, competition is other than sparring or even kata wise. So, yeah. So that's pretty much the tough thing that is for today because, you know, kids are so focused on technology and, you know, it's hard for them to actually, you know, our, the generation today is kind of like not our generation yesterday. It's like we kind of grew out of that generation and got to a new generation where technology is took taken over. So it's like up to people like me and you to get them out of that that phase and kind of bring back our generation. And you know, if we end up losing technology and end up going at the mail stuff to the uh, mailbox other than just doing it online, then so be it. But yeah. Well, we give them a, you know, we at, at my dojo, we give them a, an hour or two a week away from the technology and, you know, those kids love it. But I guess there's probably for every for every 10 kids at my dojo training, there's probably 100 who are sitting in their room, right, with the iPad or the phone or 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 three things at once. Like my kid, right, the computer screen, the iPad and the phone, uh, you know, none of which we had when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all we had was like the big screen TV. And of course, for me, either was like, well, of course, we couldn't like watch TV or play um, Nintendo at the same time. I mean, of course, 
Well, of course, they could bet the Game Boy. So, yeah, they, that kind oh, of, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old school technology. <laughs> nah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. So what would you say? Well, you said pretty much your mindset after that is like you were in so into this that um, uh, did you go on to doing other things other than judo? Yeah, but not right away. So I stayed in judo until until high school. And then um, I met the high school gymnastics coach, and he just encouraged me to get into gymnastics. So I took to that. And so I went to a four-year high school, did gymnastics for that time, um, did pretty well at it, and then um, came back to martial arts after high school. And the first martial art I got into was uh, karate, Shorinru karate, um, which I loved. I mean, I haven't met a martial art a martial art I don't love. Um, done a lot of them, but uh, got back into judo a little bit at that time um, and focused on those for the most part until I went to um, I moved to Tokyo in 1988 to study Japanese jujitsu, judo, and iaido, which is kind of my the thing I've gotten gotten known for since I've been back. Yeah, so yeah, it's always best to actually go through those uh, other martial arts styles. I mean, you stick, you kind of stick with one and then you say, you have, I have to do more to fill that cup. And you know, like I was saying, like before I went to a martial arts festival and, you know, eight martial artists uh, showing like at least a half an hour of their sample. And, you know, I'm looking at most of these styles. It's like, this is stuff that I've learned after like the 26 years I've been doing martial arts, but yet there's always that uh, different difference um, in the style. I mean, there's always some similarity, but there's a difference, like either stances or how they strike. I mean, but nevertheless, it's something that can enhance and make me feel better or make me feel better about my style. And not that I don't want to go to another style yet, but just kind of like um, being part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, everybody's different and and some people's personality and whatever, they get into one martial art and they just stay with that forever. Um, I'm the same way in in business and in life and in martial arts. I like to do a lot of things for whatever reason. I don't know if it's ADD or or something, but uh, I've done a lot of martial arts. And if I had nothing but time, I'd probably do even more. I, you know, you got to you got to put some food on the table. Um, uh, but there's they all have something to offer. And even the, you know, the peaceful martial arts. um you know, like Aikido or whatever, which I, I normally wouldn't, you know, think of as a effective fighting art, it still has a lot to offer in terms of teaching you mindset or linking your techniques together, that kind of stuff. There, it's a it's a fascinating world. Yeah, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Say you have to put food on the table, but in your situation, I mean, you know, like Steve Harvey would once said, um, "Don't complain about having a full plate when your goal is to eat." And yet, in, in this in this case, um, with all the stuff you got going on, I mean, you're really prepping for like the week. You know, you always have a full plate, like every time. But you know, yet it's like you don't have it handed to you. I mean, you're pretty pretty much prepping everything and cooking, and and just like you're just putting out for the week, and you're trying to figure out which meal to eat. And yeah, it's like because sometimes you have this meal you want to eat, but yet you don't want it don't want it today, but you have to switch it up. So yeah, I guess in your case, things get switched up every time because, uh, you know, either you don't feel it or there's some, a conflict. So yeah, what, how that would pretty much, which, how would you say that you're going through right now? Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a lot, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up here in years. I've been doing this a long time, started a lot of things 
And, uh, and you're right, man, I've got a, I've got a full plate, but it's a, it's a blessing. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned Steve Harvey. I just love the, I love the things that he shares, you know, the motivation and mindset stuff that he shares. And, um, and I don't know that it's been as extreme as him, but mostly through my own blockheadedness, I've been through tough times and, uh, and uh, risen out of them through luck, through hard work, through good people around me. Um, and it's the same in the martial arts, right? You start, you got to be willing to, you got to be willing to suck at something for a little while if you want to be really good at it. And so, um, you know, if I were to start a new martial art tomorrow, I got to recognize that for a year, two years, three years, not going to be very good. But just like you, right? You start at the beginning and you keep going and uh, you get better and better and better. Uh, you just can't quit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely hit the nail on the head on the nail. I know how you say, usually I can say I suck in reading, but, you know, I felt find a way that I can get better with readings. You know, I have a big imagination. I just kind of play it out like a movie. Like if I'm reading a book and I'm reading through the words, it's like I'm trying to at least read this, look at a movie of it, like how what's happening here? Like what's this play? What does this play? What does this um, character look like? So, I mean, that's how I got into Harry Potter movies or Harry Potter books, to be exact. I mean, well, first it was the movies, and then I started getting into the books, and and you pretty much, I pretty much knew what Harry Potter looked like, and then from there, as I read the books, it's like now I know what uh, Daniel uh, Ref or uh, Radcliffe looks like, or what he's going to do, how is this going to happen? So, yeah, and of course, speaking of books, yeah, you have ten, um, you author ten books, so all those are martial arts based, correct? Uh, actually, about half of them are martial arts based and the other half are just things I was interested in. You know, you go out, you learn something. And then what do you do with that knowledge? For me, it's put it into a form that I can I can share with others and also keep it for myself. So, you know, my my uh, one of my best friends and I started a, a marketing company, a digital marketing company. So we went out, and learned everything we could. and We put together a book, right? SEO and beyond. Um, uh, uh, I took uh, uh, in college. I was a I, I was an English major. so. I wrote a novel, got that out there, you know, that kind of stuff. But the rest of it's all martial arts. I just, you know, you learn something, you put it into a system, put it together. And I've been lucky that martial arts books have sold pretty well. Uh, and, and I'm still doing it, still doing it, learning stuff, putting it into something, you know, then you have it, share it with the world, make a few bucks is great. That's not really the purpose, but it's nice when it happens. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty much getting that idea of even write my own book. You know, I got my notebooks ready. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to find all the time that I can to just kind of write notes and just like get something going. I mean, you know, I got all these things happening to me and, you know, I'm basically like busy, 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 busy. You know, there's hardly no days off for me. No, definitely. Even on a Saturday, Sunday, even if I don't have to work, I'm still trying to find something to do. You know, that's me. I have to at least get something to do. I, I don't want to be sitting around doing nothing, but yet, you know, if I don't, then I get either, I get called in the like cover for another instructor, which, you know, I don't mind like teaching, you know, I like to give those kids a challenge and energy, you know, and also being a fitness instructor, you know, that's also a good indemnity, you know, other than teaching martial arts, you know, you teach them about conditioning, you know, and that kind of gets to my next um, question. Uh, Yeah. Your first black belt test, can you at least give you like your description of like your very first black belt test? Yeah. So um, I was thinking about this, you know, over the years, having done so many martial arts, I've had a few first black belt tests, but my first, first one uh, was in Shoren Karate. And uh, my teacher, actually a guy here in Ann Arbor, Carl Scott sensei, um, 
at the, in those days believed in really long tests. So it was like, I don't know, July or August, really hot. The test, I can't remember. I think it ran six or seven hours Ooh. and you could just did everything. You did everything. You had to do all your kata, all your weapons. You had to, you had to fight. Um, uh, you had to, he, you, you know, he asked you a bunch of questions about history and martial arts philosophy. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was like seven or eight of us, a bunch of people testing for high level brown belts. A few of us testing for our showdown, our first black belt. It's hot, went on forever, but that's how we, we loved it in those days. You know, we just felt like, you know, we, we just felt like athletes, you know, I was in my, I don't know, my early twenties, maybe, um, all of us, all us guys, we were, we were lean. We trained like madmen. We did tons of push-ups every day. Um, so it's just like another challenge. We just embraced it. We're like, let's bring it on the longer the, and the hotter, the better. Nowadays, I'd probably complain a little bit, but in those days I ate it up. Yeah. I can see what you mean. Like mostly black belt tests had to be that long, well, depending on how many people are testing too. So of course, in this case, if you only have like two or three people testing, I mean, you don't want to keep them there for six hours. I mean, for me, but my, mostly my tests, I, it was mostly physical work. It wasn't just uh, knowledgeable stuff. Like they wouldn't ask questions of like the history of martial arts, but it was just our knowledge of what we did from white belt to where we are now to uh, get the black belt. And, you know, like I said, with, um, with conditioning, that's extremely important. And, you know, most of these kids, what we, when we go over a class, it's just more than just teaching them martial arts. It's, get conditioning because you know if you're not conditioned to do a black belt test you know you're going to be wiped out before even the end of the test you know i've seen this many times sitting on the testing board you know i hear huffing and puffing yeah you know these kids will just use their strength like long in before the in the test and then in the middle of the test it's like they drop dead so yeah yeah. and that prepares you for fights or self-defense too right if you're gassed no matter how good a fighter you are you can't, you can't, you know, you can't hang in there. Yeah. Usually I tell these kids with self-defense, you know, you could be tired, you could be sweaty, you could be aching, but you know, your goal is to go home. And yet your mindset is, am I going to make it home? You know, definitely they're not thinking about what I'm going to do when I get home. You're thinking about, am I going to make it home? You walk out that door out of school, out of karate, even out in the store and you know, something could happen to you on your way to get in the car or something can happen to you on your ride home from the car or something can happen to you as you step out of the car trying to get in the house. So you want to think about those things, those small things before you actually get to your, your destination. 100%. Absolutely. Got to be prepared. Mind and body. Yeah. You know, definitely with me being a black belt, you know, my eyes are always going all over the place, driving and even walking. You know, I I can have that Jedi sense pretty much. I mean, yeah, I kind of have that Jedi sense. It's like it's strange, but you know, I know something bad's gonna happen, or either something good's gonna happen, or anything could happen. So, but I'm always prepared for it, and just um, yeah, you know, just keep a good distance. You know, people should know. Even when I'm talking to somebody, I know I keep a good distance. You know, I don't need to be that close to somebody to actually talk to them. It's like they they can hear me. I got a big mouth. (laughs) Yeah, I always tell these students when, you know, when you're presenting yourself, you know, you always have the big mouth. The louder the volume, the better the concert. (laughs) Yeah, right. hundred percent. That's a rock and roll mindset. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm going to have a loud voice, I'm going to be like Phil Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) All right. right, So uh, 
let's kind of go into your um other your other side of uh your um profession. Of course, you are in the marketing and um everything else. Uh, so with marketing, like how how do you work with marketing really? Well, it all started because I had opened a dojo, and my my buddy built a website for me, and uh, and uh, he goes, "Come on in." I want to show you how this works. If you need to add pages or add new content to the website or photos, or whatever. So we sat in his office for an hour and he showed me how to do all that stuff. And then I get up from his desk and I walk to the door and then I stopped and I turned back and I go, Hey, this website's going to show up on Google. Right. And he's like, no, get back in here. So I sat down and he goes, there's this whole thing. It's called SEO search engine optimization. And he says, in order for your website to show up on Google, you have to have the right keywords, the right kind of content, the structure of the website has to be right. I'm like, man, what the hell is that? He said, listen, here's a list of things you got to know. Start doing that, learn it, and then you'll understand a lot better. So it was a new dojo. I didn't have any students when I started. And I basically gave myself about three months where I worked almost full time learning digital marketing, right? Websites, social media, SEO, all that kind of stuff. And then got you know, Japanese martial arts center up on page one of Google. Uh, and the rest is history. I mean, people started asking me, Hey, how'd you do that? You know, uh, it so it came out of martial arts, like everything in my life came out of martial arts, um, learned how to market Japanese martial arts center, started helping other people with it. And little by little it grew into a real business. So now, you know, it's a, we've been in business about, it's almost 17 years. And, uh, uh, you know, we have tons of clients, local clients, other clients around the country, a few international clients and uh, uh, employees. It's 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 just like a martial arts journey. When you start, you know, when you're a white belt, you got to learn how to block, punch, kick. When you're a high level black belt, your job is teaching others or helping the dojo run. And so now after 17 years in the marketing business, my job is to make sure the people on the front lines have a nice place to work, that they have support, education, that the clients feel well taken care of, right? So I'm kind of a, I don't know, I would say in marketing, I'm like a third degree black belt uh, after all these years, uh, but I still got to play, still got a ways to go, but it's been a, it's been a journey. And like I said, it, it arose out of martial arts, like everything else I do. Yeah, it's like you're you're still a warrior. I mean, even if you're you're a leader, you're you're a leader of an army. You're still a warrior. So the thing I would say is, would you trust a king that has scars or a king that doesn't have scars? I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So really, I mean, if you have that um, one king that says, um, "I'm this and that," and you don't see any scar on his face or any place else, and you know that probably this one person that's going to be hiding up behind a rock. And watch their army get killed. But yeah, I would like saying, for me, I'd rather be that same person. That's I'm still a warrior, even if I'm a leader. You know, I got scars and I'm, I still got this. Uh, I pretty much got a lot of stitches as well as knee surgery. So at least I could tell students that, um, you know, your health and condition is real important. So you don't want to get a knee injury. So like I did. So that is really big. Voice of experience. Yeah, right. So it's one thing to to share book learning which is a good thing, but it's another thing to have the wisdom, right? To have the experience and say, listen, don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, who would you say you look up to in this journey? Oh, well, of course, my significant teachers. Um, I'm getting to the age now where most of the major teachers that I had as influences are, have passed away. 
Um, so I'm looking to the next generation, uh, probably the three of the most important Japanese teachers I had. I had um, this guy, Yamaguchi Sensei, was my sword teacher, number one most influential person in my life. He passed away quite some time ago. Um, and then Sato Shizuya Sensei was my jujitsu teacher, also passed away. And then recently, um, this guy, Nobetsu Sensei, was uh, my Goju Goju Karate teacher all up on the showman now right so when, when they when they pass they their picture goes up on the front so so we recognize and honor them at the beginning and end of class i still look up to them and i can i uh you know i can close my eyes and remember conversations or interactions i've had with those those men uh it's it's hard when you've had incredible teachers to find other people to help but that doesn't mean you can't learn from everybody whether they're a white belt or green belt um, or somebody who's high ranking in a martial art that maybe I don't teach, you know, I don't study or teach, but who has wisdom to say, you know, you've said things on our last podcast and you've said things already today that helped me learn. Um, so I don't have too many teachers that I work with on a regular basis like this, but I do have people all around, if you're paying attention, who help me continue to rise as long as I put the work in. Yeah, definitely. That's, Definitely something that I would, I would agree with. I mean, even if you don't talk to that person, that person will also ins- inspire you. You know, you got, I get, I like actually watch all these quotes or even read all these quotes and these people. And, you know, this is something I can really use for for myself as well as others. And, you know, yeah, I could get the fact that um, I look up, I look up to my own instructor, even my first instructor, who, of course, um, I'm ahead of him in degrees. I mean, he should be a master already, but no, life kind of gets in the way. But yet, I kind of grew up with uh, my first instructor, and mostly he's the reason why I, I got my current job now, because he had the same job, and he recommended uh, me to actually get a job. So, And so be it, here I am, uh, making more money and having more hours. I mean, that's pretty much making me feel better. And yet, my current my current instructor, you know, I don't know what's might happen to him in a couple of years, but yet I'm learning from him and learn how like everything works other than teaching a class and like how to take payments, how to look at applications. So at least I'm learning a little, little bit about the business. So in case something does happen to him, I'm prepared and I know what I'm doing. You need that. You need that because you never know, right? Any of us could go at any time. And if you have an institution like a dojo, that's something I've been thinking about a lot in the last five years, right? What happens next? How do I make sure this thing outlives me? Um, and so there, there's a, there's a lot to learn. It sounds like you're you're learning some of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of a scary experience, but you know, like you like one thing. I don't want like talking on the phone as much to like try to uh, find out what's happening with my account or call to see what's uh, make a reservation, but you know. One of these days I have to do it. So, I mean, there's nobody else that can do it for me. You know, that's this. It goes with growing up. Isn't that funny? That's I'm the same way. You know, um, I prefer it when new, you know, new members at JMAC contact me by email. It's easier. But every day I get three, five, seven messages from people that call in. And I got to get those messages and call them back. And even after all these years, it's the hardest thing I do. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I just have trouble picking up that phone. I do it. I do it. Right. It's just like doing push-ups or something, but yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't love it. I don't know why. Yeah. 
especially if you have to talk to those people that are really irritating, but you know, you have to talk to them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure enough. Hey, so what is inspirational quote best describes your journey? Oh man. Um, I have a lot of these, you know, some of the things that I do, you know, based on what well, the lessons I've learned in martial arts. In fact, we asked this question of you when you came on the show, right? Which is if you could, give one benefit, you know, one benefit you've gotten out of martial arts in your training. If you could share that with others, whether they train or not, right? So for me, it's it's inspiration. I get inspired through the martial arts framework. So I teach a lot of that stuff. I have a lot of quotes I use. Um, uh, you know, and the one that Randy and I talk a lot about a lot together is how you do anything is how you do everything. Meaning if you, if you, you know, if you, if you slop through life, then you're going to slop through life, right? But if you focus hard and try your best wherever you go, then trying your best becomes a habit. And it's really true. If you stop and you say, whatever it is I'm doing, like this podcast right now, or, you know, doing some paperwork or, you know, cleaning the garage, <laughs> there's there's always a best way to do it. And in your mind, you know, a lot, you've probably been through this. Your mind says, you should do that. And when you're in a lazy mood, you just go, oh, I'm going to do that later. But I try to listen when the mind says you should do that and do it, whether I feel like it or not, because you know that's the right thing to do. And then that habit, that mindset carries over into things like martial arts training or mentoring other people. Uh, so I guess I would run with that one. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And then they Steve Harvey. Well, I'm always going to quote Steve Harvey. And he says, like, you become ex- exception, exceptional when you make an exceptional decision. 100%. Yeah. 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 It's like you got, you go through life and you like, you like, uh, stag over the, uh, over the, uh, sound of a alarm clock and you kind of feel like you don't want to wake up. So, yeah, you have to really think about it doing something that's going to, well, basically stop whatever you're going to do and, and just make a exceptional decision. If I were to give one piece of advice to people that are struggling, I would give them exactly what you just said. When that alarm clock goes off, get out of bed. I don't care how you feel. I did that 30 years ago. I just made that decision. When I set my alarm clock, when it goes off, I never sleep through my alarm. I never reset it. I mean, maybe if I have 104 fever, but otherwise, um, and and then I've developed a series of activities I do. They're simple, like everybody, you know, you get up and you, you know, you go potty and you brush your teeth and wash your face or whatever. But I just march through that stuff. That's never a question, right? By the time you're done with that, your day's under, you know, have a cup of coffee or whatever you have and boom, go. Um, if I would give one piece of advice, never sleep through your alarm clock, hit it and go. No, just funny. I always beat my alarm clock. I always wake up before my alarm clock sometimes. So, yeah. Even better. Yeah, mostly if I wake up from a bad dream, then that's why. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our uh, Hidden Dojo segment of the uh, interview. So, of course, this is where I ask uh, Nicholas Sweeno the fun questions. So he's going to answer those questions at the best of their ability. So, Nicholas, I got seven questions for you for you to answer. So you ready for this? I'll do my best, brother. <laughs> All right. So the first question is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and who said it? All right. So my teacher, Yamaguchi Sensei, said it. And it's as simple as it can be. Just keep training. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's Well, you know, 
I was I was younger. You know, I went I went over to Japan when I was 28. And uh uh for some people that seems like a grown-up age. For out here on the foothills of senility, it seems like a pretty young age. I was young and impulsive and um I'd come into the dojo, you know, I went to his house once a week and we trained there and we have a three-hour practice session. And I'd come in and I'd go, sensei, 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 what about this? What about this? What about this? Come up with all these harebrained ideas. And he'd be just like, he's like, good, let's train. You know, that was his solution to everything. Just train. And then we would focus training for three hours, get all these insights, all these benefits, go away, come back the next week, sensei, sensei, sensei. (laughs) Just keep training. And so no matter what else happens in life, that's... That for me, that's the, uh, you know, till the day I die, I would just keep training. And and, and training doesn't have to be physical; it could be mental, and and it could be like uh, even nutritional. That could be that could be uh, that's really important nutrition. Other than having a condition, you know, most people like to chop on like the wrong foods, and then before class, next you know they drop like flies. And I always tell my students, make sure. You, you have something good before you come train. Otherwise you're going to be wiped out. It's part of the, it's part of the recipe, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You got to cardio, you got to have good nutrition. You got to hydrate, you got to sleep well, all that stuff. And better you do that, the better your training is going to be. Yeah. Worst thing I hate to see is, is students in there. They train too hard. Next, you know, they cross their grits in the garbage can. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Uh, I've got a, a student, he, he lives in Japan now, but when he trained with me, guy's like six foot seven, just a huge, huge dude, wonderful human being, Andy Palmer, just love him. And uh, when he was fairly new, he'd come to judo class. And of course, like everybody, when they're new in judo, just get their butt whipped, right? Just get thrown around, held on the ground, just miserable. And one day he came in and he goes, ah, sensei, I don't know if this was a good idea. I had spaghetti just before I came to class. <laughs> I said, okay, on you. And of course, like, he, you know, in 10 minutes, he was outside getting rid of the spaghetti. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's the next question. Um, usually people don't get this, but uh, the worst advice you've ever gotten. Well, for me, it's not one specific thing. We're all different. But for me, the worst advice I've ever gotten is to just do things the way everybody else does them. It's to like, um, you know, go to school do your homework. Those are good things. Um, follow a regular career, get a nine to five job. Like that's just not me. Right. I just, I, when I did have like normal nine to five jobs, I've always been miserable. It wasn't until I figured out that I got to run my own companies and do that, that I succeed. And even though I've been lucky, blessed, pretty successful through a lot of hard work, I always take a path. That's maybe not conventional. It just suits me. I think you're kind of that way too, right? Not necessarily a mainstream guy. And, uh, so when someone tells me, oh, just do it the way everybody else does, for me, that's bad advice. Yeah. I mean, everybody does has their own path of uh, what they want to go. You know, I don't have to be like uh, other people that are successful. You know, I got I'm not that I'm uh, like, like not going to take anything from like, what I see from uh, that person. But, yeah, you know, if I'm going to take a little bit from that person, but I'm going to make it into my own thing and go my own success. You know, I don't have to make a lot of money and have a lot of cars. You know, I just want to live a normal life, you know, make sure my bills are paid and everything's paid. And, you know, I'm, I'm surviving. I ain't out there to impress everybody. If you do well in what you do, whatever it is, right. That's the key, right. It's, it's, you know, money's nice. I've been, I've been broken. I've been doing okay. And it's, 
it's 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 better to it's better to have money than not to have money but it, it that won't that won't create that will fill the emptiness right yeah. um um who's the uh who's the football player that just got a coaching job at one of the one of the colleges and he's really inspirational anyway he says the same thing right you know you're you're eating those steaks and you're still empty right you're drinking that wine and you're you're still empty you know you're you're going out with you know, you're going out with beautiful women, you're still empty because you got to solve you. Right. And it's the yeah. same thing in work. It's the same thing in work. If you're only chasing that dollar, it's not going to fulfill you. You got to you got to have a life that 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 uh, connects with who you are and what your gifts are. Yeah. You know, usually for me, I just mind my business. You know, if people want to exalt me, that's fine. But, you know, I'm being my humble self and my mom, my my business. <laughs> hey. All right. Next question. Um, how do you reward yourself or what was your, what, what's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> um, I wish it was something really, really exotic, but, but it's not. I mean, my weakness and my guilty pleasure is I really like pastries. Um, it, 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 if, if, if I let myself go, I would be a lot heavier <laughs> and I would eat a lot of pastries. You know, my grandma was, I had a German grandmother who was a great cook. And holidays were spent at grandma's house and she cooked, cooked, cooked and everything you can imagine. It's just so good. So for me, that's like, um, uh, I don't know how to explain it, right? It connects with the emotion emotionally. I love the taste of pastries, but also kind of nostalgic for me. So uh, if I let myself go, I'd be a much bigger human being. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, really, my guilty pleasure is the cookies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, like, what kind of cookies? What kind of cookies do you like? Oh, I, I like the uh, sugar sugar cookies. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm, man. yeah, I'm a Cookie Monster. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that's that's my favorite character on Sesame Street, Cookie Monster. No yeah. kidding. Well, under for good reason, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> love uh, it. That would be funny if uh, if Cookie Monster was a real person. I would probably like to meet him in a Comic Con. There yeah. you go. You can totally do that. That's hilarious. Yeah, for me, it's 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 pastries, you know, really good ones like almond croissants or or danishes or any of that kind of stuff. I don't know why, man. A cup of coffee and a and a pastry. That's a that's my idea of a good time. <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in? Man, I struggled with this one. I I know you know you 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 let me know you're going to ask me this, and I I thought about it. There's three movies that I can basically quote you from beginning to end. First Godfather movie, Apocalypse Now. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that movie, Apocalypse Now, and um, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, ooh. Yeah. Those are my three favorite movies of all time, and I can quote them pretty much from beginning to end. And if I had to be in one of those movies, it would have to be The Godfather, man. I just like the idea of... Uh, Hanging out with it's you know the truth is the mafioso are not nice people and there's nothing romantic about it but in movies it seems really cool it'd be a lot fun to hang out with those guys be in Little Italy in New York sipping an espresso and talking to the Godfather and uh, just having an inside eye on that so that's probably the one I'd be in. Uh, well, honestly, I would say I would like to be in the movie Casino, but you know that was oh. like a a savage movie and Joe Pesci was a savage and you know I'm just sitting here cracking up every time he gets angry. And say he wants to beat somebody up, but it was just, but he was just a savage. And of course, I see he came out of retirement doing this, uh, the series on Peacock. But oh, really? I, I haven't watched it yet, but you know, it's just nice to actually see him doing movies other than 
like Casino and uh, Lethal Weapon and um, Home Alone. Yeah. Well, you know, um, in Goodfellas, right? He was that he was that guy too. Like he would lose his he was he would lose his temper, and then he did it. He replayed it in Casino, and it's so uncomfortable. You know, it's coming, and you're just like, oh, you know, Pesci's going off. <laughs> yeah, I just still thinking of that desert scene. It's just that was like the most ironic. <laughs> that was like the most, most ironic scene. Him and Robert De Niro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. <laughs> Great movies. Holy cow. Yeah. That's that's probably the reason why I had my love for Las Vegas. You know, this would be my thirteenth time going. So what? For, yeah, for my uh for the convention. Yeah. But you know, I'm so used to Las Vegas, you know, it seems like it gets so small, I could just simply take one step and I'm on the other side of the street. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I've been there a few times and uh yeah, I was there in the old days, right? Where like you could get a beer for twenty five cents or breakfast for a dollar and all that. It's changed. It's changed. Yeah. It's much more like a resort town than it used to be. <laughs> yeah but you know i'm not gonna be a casino owner and make people mad and then you know you know you got all these mafia coming after me trying to blow up me blow me up with in the, while i'm in my car so no yeah watch out for that make sure you uh you uh start your car from a distance so yeah. you see if it blows up or not <laughs> yeah uh what would you say uh your secret talent would be Whew. man i don't know man um there's not much about me that's secret anymore um, but if I have a talent that's that's not martial arts, um, I can uh, I can talk so I can get on a stage and talk comfortable doing it, talking hours. I can do it with a speech planned or I can just I can just do it uh, impulsively. That just happens to be a, a gift of mine. I don't know how other people feel about it, but I love doing it. I've always loved running my mouth and uh, running my mouth with an audience is just that much more fun. I guess for me, my hidden talent would be voice impersonation. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, do you, what do you do? Cartoon characters or famous people or? Like, of course, you heard James Earl Jones retired as Dark Vader. Yes. Uh, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Or in case I, you, they're looking for someone new, they're going to get you in there. Or if they're looking for somebody to do a disc jockey, you know, I could be like the next uh, Wolfman Jack, you know. <laughs> you let the midnight special shine as another light on you. Was uh, I? This is way before your time, but um, did you ever see the movie American Graffiti? Oh, with uh, uh, Harrison Ford. Yes. Yeah, I think I've seen that a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, Wolfman Jack, because the the background in that is always they're always playing the radio, right, for playing the music, and um, Wolfman Jack is on that one, so he 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 has a big part in that. Yeah. Wolfman Jack played your country. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I always like doing that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, dream celebrity encounter. I would say I would love, I've been lucky. I've met a lot of people that are pretty well known, uh, quite a few Hollywood people. Um, but I would love to meet Jackie Chan. Mm. You know, of course, I love his movies and I love the stunts and all that stuff. But you know, you get a little bit of insight into who he is. And now he's getting older. He does more interview shows and stuff. I just, can you imagine, you know, having lunch or coffee with Jackie and just talking to him for an hour? To me, that'd be just a, that'd just be amazing. Yeah, that'd probably be somebody on my bucket list I want to meet, Jackie Chan. You know, likely he won't end up in a, at a Comic-Con anywhere. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice if he is actually walking down the street and I actually would accidentally bump into him or even hold the door open for him. And yet she say thank you. And that's, I be that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I, that's happened to me. I've met a few celebrities in airports and things like that. And they've always been super nice. 
uh, a couple of MMA fighters I met were not very nice, but and I will not mention any names, but almost everybody else has just been amazing. Yeah, you know, I just don't get too crazy with famous people, you know. I just like I'm calm, cool, and collective, you know. Especially at my cons, you know, I talk to them like normal people, and you know, they kind of kind of geek out when I'm dressed up in cosplay. So, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I love it, man. Uh, all right, uh, of course. Uh, here's one. Uh, Ten years from now, what you what would you say your future plans would be? Uh, well, on the martial arts front, I hope I'm doing a, a lot of what I'm doing now, training a lot, teaching a lot, growing my dojo. You know, I told you, I've been thinking about the next generation and the next generation. So in 10 years, I want to be a lot better at that, have more of my black belts doing things like teaching classes at my dojo or teaching satellite clubs, or maybe they go out, they go off and they start their own dojo somewhere. Um, but I want to be in the, in the thick of it, you know, working with people, helping mentor them, giving people a place, a place to go. Um, I probably, uh, you're starting to look at some stuff coming with age. So I won't be able to train as hard guessing in 10 years as I do now, but I'll do, I'll do what I can. I'll max out what I can. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the business side of it's going as well or better than it is now. Yeah. But, but if it's a lot like this, only more of it, I'd be happy with that. Uh, most definitely. I, so it's always best to still be within the martial arts business, but you know, you can't do much anything physically, but yet you can still definitely verbally and mentally um, think of always uh, making it bigger. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I, so is there any last minute words that would you like to say to our listeners out there before we cut out? Man. Uh, thank you so much for, for teeing this up. Uh, if I mean, you're, you're living it, stay humble. Uh, stay fascinated, put in the hard work, be nice to people and, um, you know, pay attention, learn from what you learn from your mistakes. Life, life is a gift. We are so lucky each and every day to be able to get up and do the things we do. And if we're lucky enough to have a job and people look up to us, that's a blessing, man. Can't ask for more than that. Uh. Most definitely. So thank you very much for joining me on this episode, Nicholas. And uh, of course, uh, you're basically um, one of the other um, co-hosts of um, the podcast, the Kick Punch uh, or Punch Kick uh, Choke Chat uh, podcast. Of course, I think I got like three people left I got to get, right? You got to put your work in, see what you can do to pin us all down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to do my little closing for the show and we're going to cut out. So for those who are just um, tuning in, Tune into my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kick Pie Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you out. <laughs>